0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of the network. Happy Monday, everybody. Today is the post game podcast. Uh, happy Victory Monday, I should say, actually, off the top. The Wolves won on Sunday night, their fourth straight win. Plenty to talk about from that one. Uh, before we get into everything, though, first of all, thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. Locked On Wolves is free and available everywhere, that includes YouTube. As well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey—really anywhere you like to listen to pods—you can also follow on Twitter at T wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, as mentioned, the Wolves have now won four straight games, uh, and they've had the good fortune, obviously, of playing some of the league's worst teams. Now the Thunder and the Rockets—three consecutive games against those three teams—and now they play New Orleans on Tuesday. So the streak against the bottom, the cellar dweller, cellar dwellers, really in the Western Conference continues. However, you still got to take care of business, and uh, as a team that had been before this streak four games under 500 on the fringes of the play-in conversation in the West, this is obviously an important stretch, and you got to you got to play who's on the schedule, and it's important to win these games. The Wolves have done that, and they've done it in a really convincing fashion. Um, going back to last Monday's victory, which was was relatively comfortable. Wednesday was a little bit dicier against the Thunder at Target Center. The Wolves only scored 98 points. It was a bit of a a slog, but the Wolves won that one. And then they led by as many as 41 on Friday on the road in Oklahoma City. And then Sunday against the Rockets, the Wolves, I don't think ever led by as many as 30, but they had essentially a 20 plus point lead for the vast majority of the middle stages of this game. And it wasn't, it was actually, it wasn't as close as the 18 point final margin, but the Rockets did get it down to 15 midway through the fourth quarter and forced Chris Finch to put Carlton Anthony Towns back in the game. Towns didn't even play in the fourth quarter against the Thunder on Friday. So it got a little bit dicier. Dicey is not even the right word. Uh, It got a, a little bit, um, I don't know, closer than it should have been, I guess, in the fourth quarter. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, The Wolves did not have Patrick Beverly in this game. He sat out the second consecutive game with, uh, I believe, groin soreness is what they're calling. He was questionable coming into the game. Um, So, I mean, who knows? It's pretty likely, I guess, he would play Tuesday in New Orleans unless the Wolves think, hey, we've won two games in a row against bad teams without him. Let's go for another one and give him essentially a full week of rest. But this is kind of the Patrick Beverly thing, right? I mean, you go back and look at his career. He misses a bunch of games due to, he gets nicked up, right? It's partly the way he plays, He's extremely aggressive. He's, there's a reason they call him Mr. 94 feet. And, uh, you know, he he throws his body around, does his thing. He's also on the wrong side of 30 now. So he's going to miss some games here and there to make sure that he's healthy enough when this, you know, when this team continues, what's hopefully a stretch run towards the playoffs here in a couple of months. Um, so no Beverly in this game. That meant that the Wolves rolled out the same starting lineup they had on Friday in Oklahoma City. So that's uh, Russell and Edwards in the backcourt with McDaniels and Vanderbilt and Karl-Anthony Towns with both Malik Beasley and Jalen Ewell coming off the bench for the Wolves. And actually the first quarter in this game was a lot like the first quarter against the Thunder on Friday where the Wolves kind of had, you know, it was a little bit back and forth for the first half of the first quarter. The Wolves kind of started to build a multi-possession lead, finished the first quarter up by 10, which is a little bit more separation than they had against Oklahoma City on Friday. But it kind of had the same vibe where the Wolves could get what they wanted offensively. They were a little sloppy defensively, still a little bit, you know, not quite clicking in all cylinders offensively, but they still dropped 36 in the quarter. Um, And it never, it just kind of felt like, okay, The Rockets are hanging with them now, but the Wolves, as long as they don't get bored and they keep doing what they're doing, they'll be all right. Sure enough, it was the second quarter when the Wolves got their separation once again, like they did against the Thunder last time out. Um, Carl Anthony Towns had 18 points in the first quarter, though, notably, I mean, he continued to do what he does against smaller opposing lineups and was, was really, really good throughout the game in this one, but 18 in the first quarter alone, the second quarter was really interesting because of the lineup that Chris Finch rolled with for the first part of the second frame. The second quarter started with the Wolves with D'Angelo Russell, Jalen Noel and Malik Beasley all on the floor together. So that's three players, all basically six, four, uh, or a little bit less than that, a little bit under six, four, Josh Okoge at the four. And of course, Josh Kogi hasn't really played the four since Brian Saunders was head coach. And that did not go well uh, back when Saunders was coach. And Nas Reed at the five, who's also a little bit undersized for a five. So D'Lo, Noel, Beasley, Okoge, and Nas is not your uh, typically sized five-man unit. Now the Rockets don't have a very big lineup either. They basically, Christian Wood is by far their biggest player. I mean, Daniel Tyson play in this game. I mean, we're talking about a really, really diminutive Rockets lineup. And the Wolves use this this rotation to to kind of start to separate a little bit. They played for roughly the first five minutes of the first quarter, or excuse me, second quarter. And they won when they were on the court. They won the, the scoring battle 14 to 7. So the Wolves, by the time they departed the game, had a 17-point lead when they started to bring back some of the other starters in addition to, to Russell, who was already on the court. But uh, the D'Angelo Russell, Jalen Noel, and Malik Beasley trio, we're going to talk more about that later. That group playing together was really fascinating and started to to really kind of click in the second quarter. It was a little bit shades of, of D'Lo against the Thunder for, for a few minutes there. He got really hot. He and Noel, though, play off each other so well. And well, the three of them together, D'Lo, Noel, and Beasley are all not great perimeter defenders, but have been improved this year. Having Josh Shakogi on the floor with them allowed the Wolves to try some different things defensively and it worked really well. So we'll talk more about that later. But that lineup played nearly half of the second quarter together and the Wolves had a 17-point lead when when, uh, Finch started to to shuffle that lineup a little bit. Um, By the time we got to halftime, D'Angelo Russell had 19 points. He had five made threes just in the first half. Uh, So again, a little bit shades of the game against OKC on Friday where D'Lo and Kat each kind of took turns taking over the game and Minnesota at halftime had a uh, had a 21-point lead. They never really looked back. Again, they built the lead up to as many as, I think it was 28 at one point. Uh, it just kind of fluctuated between like 22, 26, 27 points, and that was kind of the rest of the game. Houston did put up a little bit of a fight late, mostly because the Timberwolves' defense completely, I mean, they just, the Wolves basically stopped trying on defense uh, at one point, and Houston finally started to make some open shots. It wasn't It wasn't super encouraging to see the Wolves relax that much, but it didn't really matter because Houston has such a terrible defensive unit themselves. The Wolves literally got whatever they wanted all night long. They shot 51% from the field, scored 141 points. They're season high in points uh, and second most, I believe, in franchise history. The record uh, previously, or still, I guess, is 144 for a regulation four-quarter game for the Wolves uh, in terms of points scored. So the defense late wasn't ideal uh, for Minnesota, but uh, overall they were able to hold off the Rockets, keep them, keep this from getting any closer than 15 points. And even though Towns had to come back in the fourth quarter, he still only played 33 minutes. Russell played 33. Edwards played 34. So um, not, you know, they, they got each of those guys a few additional minutes of rest, which was good to see. I want to spend uh, the next seven to in key takeaways. Like we always do. I have four from this game. So we're going to go ahead and launch into that before we get into individual studs and duds later on in the show. First though, Let's talk about our friends over at Bilt Bar. It's finally the new year, and uh, I guess we're a little more than a week now It's the new year, so hopefully you're into your New Year's resolution. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and in a lot of cases, even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste taste really like a chemical spill. You wanna eat healthy, but it just gets boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, built Bar has you covered because built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, just four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your normal candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever they might be, Throw out all of your sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with the fantastic Bilt Bar. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and it tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Bilt Bar, you can almost almost counted as a workout. There's so many flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out built.com often to see what's new. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your, quarter, your order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right. Let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Rockets on Sunday. Number one, talked a little bit about the rotation and the second quarter, uh, the unique lineup of D'Lo, Noel, Beasley, Akogi, and Nas Reed. But again, going back to that Russell, Noel, Akogi trio, it's really fascinating. Um, and and I guess you could include Beasley in there and talk about the four of them. But uh, the idea here, obviously, from Finch, now Akogi had been out of the rotation and really is only playing because Patrick Beverly is out. He played on off the bench Friday in Oklahoma City. And it really kind of took the place of Torian Prince. Prince got some run in the second half, not necessarily in place of Akogi, but it seems like at the moment, Akogi's in the rotation and Prince is out. And it wouldn't surprise me if this is based on on matchups moving forward. Remember last Monday against the Clippers, Torian Prince had his best game by far in a Wolves uniform, had 17 points, contributed in, in really every other category in the box score, and then had a poor game Wednesday against the Thunder and barely played rotation minutes Friday, barely played rotation minutes on Sunday against Houston. So not sure if he's really going to be a, a permanent rotation staple moving forward or if it just depends on the night and and the opponent and, you know, how Finches wants to play his rotation that night. But Akogi was part of the first wave of substitutions, both on Friday and Sunday. And both the Thunder and Rockets are teams that play very small. They're not very good. And uh, they're teams that the Wolves can use Akogi to really disrupt the flow of the offense. Uh, the Rockets... They're, I believe, thirtieth in turnover. They are thirtieth in turnover rate offensively, league wide. So they commit the most turnovers. Fifteen point one percent of the Rockets' offensive possessions and in a turnover. The Timberwolves turn opponents over on fifteen percent of defensive possessions, which is the best mark in the league. So the Wolves came into this game knowing that they could turn the Rockets over, and they decided to use Josh Okogie combined with some of these other some of this other length to try and and uh, and wreak havoc on Houston's offensive plan. And they did exactly that. Using a Akogi also allowed the Wolves to somewhat hide D'Angelo. You know, you can't hide all three of them at once, but D'Lo, Noel, and Beasley, especially in the case of of D'Angelo Russell, he's much, he's been much better this year defensively. Noel's a little bit improved as well, and, and Beasley's maybe a little bit better, but the Wolves thought, you know, hey, we'll put a Akogi in the game. We can hide him offensively, similar to how they've hit Jared Vanderbilt for much of the season. And then defensively, he can play on the perimeter. He can be the one that's going to take on, you know, uh, Jalen Green, right? This year's number two overall pick. He could take on Kevin Porter Jr. We can put him at the point of attack. If one of those more dynamic scorers has the ball in his hands, we don't have to ask DeAngelo Russell to expend that energy um, in, in a game that we should win fairly easily. And he's playing really well offensively. Let's put a Kogi, uh, you know, let's give him the tougher assignment. And well, that worked really well defensively on the offensive end of the floor. Dilo and Noel are really starting to play well together and having D'Angelo Russell out of, you know obviously starting, come out of the game essentially as the first sub out for Minnesota in the first quarter, have him come back and help lead the second unit, especially with no Patrick Beverly. This is, having him and Noel play together, we've seen Noel uh, be able to create a little bit but it takes some pressure off of him. And even in this game, Jalen Noel still had uh, what five assists and zero turnovers in 18 minutes. And he didn't run the point solo very much. I think he may have been on the court two, three, maybe four minutes without D'Angelo Russell. Um, this was primarily a, a, you know, when D'Lo is on the floor, or I guess I'm, I'm underestimating that a little bit. Um, it was probably more like five to 10 minutes, but he played at least eight minutes, at least uh, roughly half of his time on the floor with D'Angelo Russell, so that they could play off of each other. They could take turns running offense and playing off the ball. They both can obviously shoot uh, from the perimeter. They both love shooting in the mid-range. And they both, especially in the case of Noel, really like to attack. Um, and and when they do, they both like to pull up from the 10, 15-foot range. And their games play so well together. And Noel's been a very underrated passer for his NBA career. He's finally getting the opportunity to showcase some of that skill. I mean, he had a bounce pass in transition in the second half of this game that was just perfectly threaded the needle and hit uh, D'Angelo Russell, or I guess that was it was... Uh, was it second half? I think it was second half, and hit. Uh, um, I think it was Anthony Edwards in the open floor for a dunk in transition. Just a phenomenal pass, and we saw a couple of, of passes in the half court, specifically between Russell and Noel, that were extremely impressive. And there just seems to be a synergy and a chemistry building between those two players. So I thought this was a really interesting lineup. It won't work every night, um, but again, the Rockets being as small as they are, Finch more than happy to play small if he needs to, even though his preference is to generally play big, the depth on this roster is allowing him to play small. And so I think we'll see more and more of that depending on matchups moving forward. Like for instance, I don't think that's necessarily going to work against New Orleans on Tuesday, uh, but we'll talk more about that as we get closer to that, I guess on tomorrow's show, on Tuesday's show. All right, a uh, second key takeaway for me, Carl Anthony Towns is, is finally beginning to be appropriately aggressive against much smaller teams. We saw this against the Thunder on Friday. He played less minutes, so he ended up only scoring 19 points, but he had that big third quarter against Oklahoma City. And in this game, he had 18 in the first quarter, had 40 for the game, obviously a season high for Cat. And he he played both inside and out. I mean, this wasn't, Completely damaged in the post. It was some in transition. It was a lot of straight line drives. It was a lot from the perimeter. So this wasn't a straight post up game for Towns. Although he did dominate Christian Wood a couple of times on the low block. Uh, At one point, Wood flopped and tried to draw a charge. Towns just scored right over him. There were a couple of those type of plays, but he did really he scored at every level and scored on straight line drives. You know, face up situations from the perimeter a couple of times as well. He was 15 to 25 from the floor, four of six on three-point attempts and six of eight at the line, 40 points, 90 rebounds, seven assists, only two turnovers and only two personal fouls for Carl Anthony Towns in this game. I don't believe he got called for a single offensive foul. Um, and of course, against Oklahoma City on Friday, he actually fouled out Um, or no, I guess guess that was Oklahoma City game Wednesday he fouled out of. On Friday, he was called for a pair of offensive fouls in that game. He was called for three against Oklahoma City when he did foul out on Wednesday. So five offensive fouls in two games against a team that tried to guard him with smalls, essentially... Uh, He avoided it completely in this game against Houston and the Wolves just, they didn't put him on the low block as much. And I think that was likely a conscious decision by Chris Finch to allow him to, to do damage from multiple areas on the floor instead of having in his head, like, okay, I've got to beat the small guarding me when he gets, you know, he uses his off arm and he tries to pin the defender or he simply runs them over or he gets the elbows up um, or, you know, or That's usually what happens to him. And he ends up getting called for these offensive fouls against smaller players. The Wolves avoided that by not putting him exclusively in the post in this game. Not that he's ever exclusively in the post, but they put him in the post less than they had against Oklahoma City. I thought that was genius by Finch and a fantastic game from Carl Anthony Towns. Good to see him dominate a team that he should dominate. All right, next takeaway. This is something we've kind of touched on a lot throughout the season, and I talked about it a lot before the season, but the depth of this roster, again, is so apparent. Even without Patrick Beverly, this team goes... 9-10 deep where you feel really comfortable about all these guys being on the court. This was not Nas Reed's best game, for instance, but generally he's a really good backup center. And I mean, you've got both Malik Beasley, Jalen well coming off the bench, Joshua Kogi and Torian Prince. If they can be interchangeable pieces depending on the matchup, if you need a little more offense in Prince's case or length, if you need just some more defensive tenacity and um, you know, overall hustle, then Joshua Kogi's your guy. This is a flexible roster with multiple guys that can play multiple positions. And you've got some length at, you know, defensively for, in regards to Vanderbilt and McDaniels and even Patrick Beverly when he's available. Um, and your big three is apparently unselfish enough to to take turns in a good way. Um, the depth on this roster to be able to survive, to, to do even a little bit better than Treadwater over that two-ish weeks where they had up to eight rotation guys at one point out in health and safety protocols – and now be, begin to get it all back together and thrive against some of the worst teams in the league, um, that's a testament to the depth of this roster and also the way that Chris Finch has managed the rotation. And then along with that, I guess this would be my last takeaway, uh, is is taking care of business. I said this a little bit off the top. Um, I mean, the Wolves, the Wolves should beat these teams, right? They should beat a banged up Clippers team with no Paul George and obviously no Kawhi Leonard. They should beat the Thunder two out of two times. They should beat the Rockets. They should beat the Pelicans on Tuesday, although they're one and one against them this year. Remember, they lost to them in the third game of the year way back in October. This is a really soft part of the schedule, and I get that that's where the Wolves are doing this damage, and it's easy to be cynical about that, but these games count, and they've now won three consecutive games by multiple possessions by eight points or more, and or excuse me, four consecutive games by eight points or more, and three of them by 18 points or more, three of the last four games. Um, we can't penalize the Timberwolves for beating who's on their schedule. And one of the problems that this Wolves team has had over the past couple of seasons, they've had a lot of problems, obviously, but they don't beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Even when they weren't very good, there were still terrible teams that they should have been beating with Carl Anthony Towns healthy and on the floor, and they weren't beating them they're finally, it appears, starting to do that. Now, New Orleans on Tuesday, I don't want to count all these chickens before they hatch. They need to win that game. And then obviously it gets difficult against Memphis on Thursday, who's won, what, eight consecutive games at this point. Um, nine, it looks like they're on their way to nine as I'm recording this. They're up 20 on the Lakers. So they're going to have one at least... Well, I suppose they'll play between now and then. But they, at this point, they've won nine consecutive games. And they get Golden State and the Knicks and the Hawks. And, and I know the Knicks and Hawks have been struggling, but those games are a lot harder than the Thunder and the Rockets and the Pelicans. So it's really important that the Wolves get this win over the Pelicans. They get over five hundred. And then they get into a little bit of a tougher part of the schedule. A bunch of games on the road. Um, basically, what, six of their next eight games are on the road, uh, not including the last two they just played on the road. So things are going to get tougher, but it's important to, to get this last win against the Pelicans before things do get more difficult. Okay, let's close the show by doing individual studs and duds as we always do. First of all, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond in so many sports. Betterline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our special promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football to basketball, hockey to boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds. So easily, number one for the Timberwolves is, of course, none other than Carl Anthony Towns. 40 points on 25 shots in this game. He knocked down four threes on six attempts, was six of eight at the line. He also had nine rebounds, seven assists, and a steal, only two turnovers. So seven assists to just two turnovers. One was just a really bad uh, pass. He had the ball kind of in the high post on the right side of the floor, mid post. And I forget who the cutter was, but just a bad pass. I mean, he had an open cutter and he just airmailed it. I forget what the other one was, but um, I mean- he was making quick decisions. He was finding the open cutters, uh, open shooters on the perimeter. He didn't get the ball enough in the post to get doubled very often. But when he was, he was drawing fouls. He was making the right pass. And uh, this was just a perfect Carl Anthony Towns game. Talked about him a lot last segment. Beating up a team he should beat up. And we talked, um, or I wrote about this actually talking with Wolves, that the Wolves had to, had to beat a team like Houston, both on the glass and in the paint, which they did not do against the Thunder last Wednesday when they barely won. They were a plus 11 on the glass in this game. And uh, points in the paint, the Timberwolves were, uh, let's see, they were plus 10 on points in the paint in this game. Um, now, defensively, they gave up far too many points in the paint to a team that should not have gotten them in Houston. And that was mostly a point of attack issue more so than it was a rim protection problem. The Wolves were getting beat a little too much on the point of attack late in the game. But all that to say, Towns was phenomenal and he is the number one stud from this game. D'Angelo Russell gets one, 22 points, 10 assists, five rebounds. Another phenomenal game after shooting 11 of 12 in Oklahoma city on Friday, he was eight of 14, five of nine from deep. Again, uh, 19 of his 22 points were in the first half. He had five threes. All five of his made three pointers were in the first half. Double double twenty two and ten, just one turnover for D'Lo in thirty three minutes, and uh, the third stud. I haven't talked much about him yet to this point in the game in in the podcast, which I guess uh, I, I should have. Jared Vanderbilt, phenomenal career high twenty one points, career high nineteen rebounds. Just missed the twenty twenty game, four assists, two steals, two blocks in this game. Ten of fourteen shooting in 31 minutes, and I believe eight of his 10 makes were dunks. Obviously, none of his makes are ever outside the paint, but he just got dunk after dunk after dunk. The Timberwolves pick and roll game was unstoppable, and again, Houston has the worst, one of the worst, probably worst two or three defenses in the league. I think defensive rating, they're number 29 on basketball reference. Um, they're bad defensively. There's, there's no two ways about it. But the timing and spacing and the synergy and the overall cohesion that the Wolves played with in pick and roll game was really impressive. And to see this continue to grow again, you got to play who you play on the schedule, whoever's on the schedule. And if the Wolves can gain some confidence with some of these different sets and and some of these different things they're doing against a team like Houston, hopefully that helps them next week when they're taking on, you know, the Knicks and the Hawks and the Warriors and the Grizzlies and teams that are going to defend that better. Uh, Again, I, I, I get this is, this is a guess, but at least half of his 10 buckets were on pick and roll, uh, were just as the role, man, getting a pass and getting a, a two-handed jam over somebody. It was just an impressive game from Jared Vanderbilt and also from the guys passing him the ball. A lot of D'Angelo Russell, a little bit of Anthony Edwards, um, a little bit of Jalen Noel, but a great game from Vando, his activity, the, the edge that he plays with all of the things we've been talking about since really, I don't know, since summer, um, and certainly since he started to get some minutes this fall, regular rotation minutes, all the things he brings to the table that the Wolves have been missing previously, the rebounding ability, the athleticism and length, the combination of that, plus the hustle that he plays with, the edge that he plays with, he doesn't take anything. And he is always um, you know pressing up on the other team. He's trying to get that one or two sneaky you know uh, steal attempts in the backcourt when the other team's bringing the ball up the court after a made basket or inbounding uh, you know on a side out play. He did have a steal in this game on a side out of bounds and a, a, a fast break dunk. Um, just a, just a vintage Jared Vanderbilt game, and I've said that a few times this year. This one is beyond that because he had a, 20, a 21-19 game, which is not at all what anyone would have expected to see out of Vando. Um, we, we talk about the Dennis Rodman comparison. I need to go and see if how many 2020 games Dennis Rodman ever had. I'd be shocked if he had one. Honestly, obviously scoring is not Vando's thing, which is part of the reason the Rodman comparison is so easy. But he was open throughout this game for dunks um, and, and the Wolves found him and he converted. He was also really good defensively as he always is. So it's good to see him play a, as well as he did duds for this game Uh, I'm just going to hand one out after this one and it's going to go to Torian Prince it's maybe a little unfair because he saw some weird second half minutes he only played seven minutes was 0-4 shooting missed all three of his three point attempts so he got he squeezed the trigger three times from deep uh, in his seven minutes of play and just it only tallied a rebound and he had a turnover two fouls in seven minutes so not the best seven minute stint and uh, I'm not going to give one to Nas officially because uh, he did have five rebounds. He was active defensively, but he had a bad travel and then he compounded that by a bad foul. And then um, I think he then had an offensive foul maybe the next time down the court on a moving screen. It was a little bit of a rough stint for for Nas in 12 minutes, but um, generally speaking, the Wolves across the board played pretty well. I'll mention Anthony Edwards quick. He doesn't fit in either category, but after he had such a great game against Oklahoma City Friday, he was just quiet in this one. And it wasn't that he played poorly. Um, Seven of 17 shooting, not, not terrible. Um, six assists, which is great. So 19 points, six assists, three rebounds, a couple of seals and a couple of blocks for ant, just two turnovers played well overall. Um, I, I mean, he just, just towns, Russell and Vanderbilt were all so fantastic that Edwards just kind of took a little bit of a back seat in this one. But if taking a back seat is 19 points and six assists, um, I mean, that's fine, right? That's, I don't think Edwards would complain about that. I don't think the Timberwolves are complaining. They got the win. Um, and it was, it was just a really, really fun game. All right. Uh, the Wolves, as mentioned, will take on the New Orleans Pelicans on Tuesday in the final game of or excuse me, the third game of a four game road trip. They're in Memphis then on Thursday to take on the streaking Memphis Grizzlies tip on Tuesdays, 7 p.m. Central on Tuesday's show. We will preview the game, talk Wolves, Pelicans and uh, what to expect as we haven't seen New Orleans since uh, game three way back on October 25th. That was the Wolves had started to 2-0. They beat New Orleans in an ugly game that first uh, or the second game of the season and then went on to lose to New Orleans just a couple of days later. So different New Orleans team, still no Zion uh, Williamson, of course, and uh, a little bit of a, 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 still a different looking Pelicans team, but they're playing a little bit better of late. So we'll break that down on Tuesday's show. Of course, we're here all week this week, Monday through Friday daily. So be sure that you're following and subscribe to the show. If you do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day, and I sure hope that you do. Thank you. Genuinely thank you for listening to the show. A reminder that we're everywhere, including YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B Beacon with two Bs, two E's, C K E N. All right, that's all we have for today. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local network. Or excuse me, your local experts on all the biggest stories. A reminder about Locked on Bets. Hopefully you do make Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. Please make your second listen, Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.